You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. So welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Michelle Lambert. Uh, Michelle and I connected uh, through some operation questions. uh, And after a few very good conversations with Michelle, I thought I'd invite her to my show. Um, I know there are a lot of different entrepreneurs in direct response, offer owners and so forth that have challenges in operations. Uh, And it's something that we rarely talk about. We always focus on traffic and how to convert offers and so forth, but operations is a very key cornerstone of every business. So I thought Michelle can fill in some gaps and answer some questions. And Michelle, you've been very gracious answering all of my questions. Um, So I'm happy that you're on the show and uh, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to, you know, see what kind of advice I can offer and just kind of talk about operations. Yeah, Thank for you sure. For having me. Thank you, Michelle. So, um, I mean, we met uh, briefly through uh, our mastermind and, you know, you came very highly recommended. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about how you got started? Because it's, it's. I mean, you're in the direct response space and you talk with a lot of copywriters. So I'm, I'm curious how did you carve out your niche in operations and how did you get to be an operations guru or ninja or whatever the keyword is now? <laughs> <laughs> I like that ninja or guru. I'm working. I like those. So um, basically I, I started out in like 2012, 2014, around 2012 is when I kind of started. I was working for a doctor actually, and I was actually just working in the office and he had wanted to build an online presence and you know, make do a New York Times bestseller book launch and just kind of do all these big picture online business plans as many entrepreneurs do. And, and you know, um, building courses, all the things. So he was busy, you know, running the office and doing all that and asked me to build the online business infrastructure and team. Um, and, and, you know, he was very kind enough to, you know, put me in a lot of masterminds. Like I did um, Mindshare and um, Genius Network with uh, Joe Polish. And I did like product or product launch formula. I did some Brendan Burchard events. Like I did a ton of masterminds and just learned and just kind of met a ton of really amazing people. And part of that is the doctor I worked for also had really good connections with them. So in addition to getting to go to those masterminds, um, a lot of them actually lended their COOs and CMOs to help train me. So part of, it was like, it was just the most incredible experience. I mean, I got to literally learn um, project management from someone who wrote the book on PMP. I got to oh learn like insane, like, um, CMO, like the, he, the CMO that was training me, he had, he's worked with like Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard and JJ Virgin, all these like really big names. And, you know, I got to work with the two of them, the CEO and the CMO of, uh, one of the companies for gosh, like six months, um, just direct training from them. And then, you know, just continued to work with a lot of different, um, a lot of different people and just kind of, uh, I guess, growing my experience. So then when I eventually decided to um, leave the company, I wanted to start helping more people. Um, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, I guess as a freelancer at the time, I was kind of scared. I was just kind of jumped into taking any project I could to make sure I would stay afloat. So I was doing things like web design, email list management, course builds, funnel builds, um, a lot of project management and VA work, which ultimately, 
yeah, I can do it all, but am I good at that? Or am I good at, you know, the operations and hiring people to do that? And it's definitely was more leaning towards hiring people to do that. But what happened is when I was trying to do all those things, I really noticed where people are spending most of their time, especially team members and where things can be streamlined a bit more. So um, I kind of used that experience to figure out, you know, where, where we can move people around and, you know, how we can get like a VA in to take certain tasks off of like the email expert or, and things like that. So it frees up everyone's time to work within their genius. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like, I guess basically just after, after doing that, I, I kind of just kind of full circle came back to investing in myself, joining in masterminds like we're in right now. And, you know, part of that, this is super cool, but um, part of that is actually the CEO, CEO of, Copy Accelerator, Brian Chestnut has been helping me with a lot of this ops stuff too. So he's like a former Navy SEAL who did operations management. He's done um, done it for Copy Accelerator and Frank Kern. And, and I mean, he's just been wonderful at like helping, you know, me work through this stuff. So it's just been nice to reframe my business and world around just kind of big picture thinking, team building, SOPs, kind of all the things that go into operations, I guess. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing. And you know, the, the thing is, is that I think I, I say this about myself and I think I, I see that in, in you and your business is that when people need you, they know they need you. You know, I say that for, about merchant because when people are asking me too many questions of like, what do you do and how do you do it? And, and this and this, and that, I'm like, you're not ready. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's a very niche kind of need where when somebody needs an ops person and somebody like you, Michelle comes along, it's like, I need that. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And it's same thing with merchant accounts. It's like when somebody's in distress and they're like, you know, my, my business is crumbling or whatever the case is, or I need, you know, I'm, I'm growing really fast. What do I do? You need somebody who's an expert in merchant accounts, just like you need an expert in ops and so forth. At what point do you think that you provide value or that an ops manager provides value in a company? Is there, is it like a certain revenue level? Is it a certain amount of staff? Like at what point, if you're your business owner, should you start thinking about an ops manager or somebody to manage your operations? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of like to what you said, basically, is when you get to that point where you feel like you're just working in your business all the time instead of actually on it, you know, you're, you're on the calls with all the different team members and you're, you know, organizing this and that and really, we only have about four hours a day of pure focus time. So if you're spending all of that, you know, managing the team and all these little tasks, then you're not really growing your business. And that's, that's your main thing is you should be growing your business. So when you get to a point where you've got all that going on, you really need to think about, you know, hiring somebody to help manage it. And so basically, um, I guess when, for me personally, so the reason I do it for multiple people is I feel like, you know, any good, and I've talked to several people about this, any good ops person can bring uh, the management of a business down to a few hours a week. So if you can get a business, you know, streamlined and organized to the point where they're really only, you know, a few hours a week of actually managing it, the client has more time to focus on their genius, you know, grow the business, think of new ideas, just space to breathe even and think without all the extra things, then I think that that's, um, I just think that's really valuable. And so that's where I kind of came in and decided that it would be helpful to kind of help people streamline and organize and build out the SOPs and the team and everything that's needed there. So really it's just, as soon as, when, when you get to the point, I guess it's not really a financial place because you could, yes, you could certainly hire a full-time ops person. They're typically about six figures a year. 
um, full-time ops and, uh, or you could, you know, what I'm trying to do is make it so it's a little bit more affordable, but make it so it's, it's your business organized and streamlined. And then you have your, your team member who just kind of takes over and runs it for you. So like training your, your project manager or whoever it is to be the operations person for you. So you're always, you know, you're always picking your team and working with the people that you want to work with and just kind of helping you get that time. So you're working less in your business and and more on your business instead of all the extra things that you're working on. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it could, it could be, I think, I think what you're trying to say, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't have to be like when you hit 500,000 or a million or whatever the case is. It's when, you know, most of your time is not working on strategy, on growing. It's on, you know, contact this guy from Upwork and figure this out and contact this person from, from, from Fiverr and make sure they have this, like when, when you're just kind of you're just basically like, for me, it got to, it, it's at a point and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this and we're going to try to find a solution, but it's yeah. at a point where I have a list of just, you know, contact that writer, make sure this person does this, make sure that person does that, where it, these things should be almost like a, a system, an automatic thing, you know, and, and so forth and getting organized. So I definitely think that this is a really, really interesting niche um, to focus on. And it's, you know, it's, it's still part of direct response, you know, a direct response company is a business just like any other business. It's just, I think so far it's been, um, they, you know, direct response businesses make a lot of money, sometimes a lot more per employee. So like you can have, you know, you can be making seven figures a month with like three people, which is like almost unheard of, you know, in regular businesses. Uh, but there's, I know tons of entrepreneurs that are doing, you know, a, a couple of million bucks a month and they have like a staff of five. And you're like, what? (laughs) Like, what? That's a crazy profit margin, you know? But there's a lot of, these people are being overworked. And if if you organize things properly, you could probably get by with, you know, just a nicer lifestyle, which is for me, um, like, in my entrepreneurship journey, it's, it's 12 years and counting. Um, I'm, I'm now starting to get to the point where I used to be a workaholic and I loved it. And I didn't need anybody like you, Michelle. Cause I was like, I have all the time in the world. And I just really want to work like 12 hours a day. I know that sounds crazy audience, but it's just, it, it was just where I was at. I just loved working and I had nothing else to kind of keep me busy and self-proclaimed workaholic. But now I'm at a point, you know, 12 years in my journey, I have a family and so forth. I'm like, I don't want to work 12 hours a day. I'm, you know, on, on a, on a financial standpoint, you could be doing well and you're like, okay, I'm doing well, but now I'm working 10 hours a day to be doing well. And I don't want to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's also, it's not monetary. uh, It's not necessarily if you have the capacity of doing it, but it's also, where are you in your lifestyle? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? How do you want to be spending your time? Um, So it's important to think of operations at the cusp of that, I think, I think I'm about 18 months, uh, overdue and thinking about operations, <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm learning, you know? Um, so in terms That's of, like you know, an operations manager like you, I, I know, like we've spoken a couple of times and I see how organized you are in your thought process and how you kind of make things happen. So what are, you know, let's say for, for people listening that are like, you know, I need, um, I need a Michelle and Michelle only has a couple of clients at a time. And let's say they're looking for somebody else. What are the main skills or what are the main, um, qualities you should be looking for in a person to, to be an ops manager? 
Definitely. And yeah, I think um, for me, I would say like the main things with ops are organization, problem solving and leadership, because really like you need to be organized and to be able to have the lifestyle that you want and have that extra time. Um, Problem solving, you just need somebody to be able to figure things out. Like just because you don't have the answer immediately doesn't, you know, you just need somebody who can go find the answer, you know, go figure out like what's going to work best for you and the team. And then just leadership wise, you know, you also, you know, in addition to wanting that lifestyle where you have, you know, you're not working 12 hours a day, you also want to be working with people you enjoy working with. So somebody who is able to create that culture that you love and just keep that culture running. So like, you know, keep everybody happy and, you know, working hard because the happier people are working with, for you and with you, the more, the better the work is and the more they're going to produce. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love leadership also because we seem to forget that a great leader can get a lot of things done, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, if, if you find somebody that can lead a team properly and make them happy and, you know, micromanagement's a very eighties, uh, <laughs> 80s term. Uh, and we've all had jobs that we've been micromanaged. And what ends up happening is you just hate it. Like when I was working at like call centers and I couldn't be like one minute late, it's not the fact that of being late, but it's just like, you know, life happens. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll get a phone call or something happens, but if you have a trust, like, I mean, at least with my team, uh, right now I have some, some good people and, I like to feel like I trust them. You know, if somebody needs to go somewhere for an hour, I don't want to have to question why they're going. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like if somebody likes their job, they're just going to do a good job. And as you know, their boss or whatever, um, you can give them that flexibility. And I think that's always appreciated. Right. And that comes with good leadership. You know, Absolutely. making sure. Absolutely. And you're getting, it's the results that you like the results in the end, you don't care how they get there. Like you just want to see the best results and you're going to get the best results by people who are happy working with you. So whether they're working in the middle of the night or, you know, between going snowboarding and, you know, whatever they feel like doing during the day, um, you know, as long as, as long as they're happy and they're getting their work done and then, you know, you create, creates a more fun environment for you and for them. For sure. So, I mean, if, if we're talking about, you know, we talked about your skills, uh, when you go into an organization, what are your main goals? Like, what do you, what's your process? I guess, let's say you came, you spoke with me or you speak with other direct response business owners. Like what's your, your thought process in order to kind of get stuff organized? Like you walk in you say this, this is what we got to do. Yeah, that's um, basically, I think the first thing, honestly, like the the calls with the business owner, obviously get the most information, kind of understand where your pain points are and like what you're working on that you could be handing off to other people and stuff like that, Um, where we can streamline. Also talking with your team, seeing what your team's actually doing every day and what their pain points are. So like, you know, just because somebody's a VA and a VA normally does this task doesn't mean it fits that specific person. So there might be somebody else who's a better fit for it. And then that other person can take on different responsibilities that might make them happier and make the business run smoother. So it's a lot of just talking with you, your team, um, seeing what the back end looks like in terms of just kind of getting like an organizational chart, sitemaps, um, uh, like a list of blogs and ways to repurpose your content. Um, and really just, you know, making sure that there's time for everybody to work within their genius. That's the main thing is getting creative time for people. So getting the operations down to, you know, a few hours a week, if possible, you know, whatever, whatever it is to get us there. And then um, kind of keeping the team and you moving forward in that, that direction. Those are, those are the main, 
So basically you, you go in and you almost, you almost do like a, like an interview. You're interviewing everybody to see what, you know, what they're like, what they do, what their day-to-day is. Do you, uh, this, this is just like a gossipy question, but do the team members sometimes like shit on their boss or like tell you things that their boss <laughs> or the person doesn't know? <laughs> I mean, people do. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, like it's it's actually both sides do it, to be totally okay. honest with you. Bosses do it, too. Like they let out their frustrations. And a lot of times on both sides, the frustrations are less about the actual work and like what's going on. It's just little things like not feeling valued or, or little ways that you can reorganize things so that people are working on things they're happy to be working on. And you know, the communication and everything kind of getting that a little bit more streamlined. It's, it's a lot of that, but yeah, people do say, everybody says things. I'm, I'm kind of a steel trap. I try not to, you know, repeat the things that are being I was like, said. You're probably but... a little bit of a psychologist. I'm sure you get some people that are like, you know what? I'll tell you what I think about my work. <laughs> like, cause I can imagine that, you know, sometimes like when, when you're, you're part of a team and it's like, you know, your boss is obviously paying you and so forth. You don't necessarily want to like, you know, throw shade or, or whatever, it's harder to be listened to. So, you know, rightfully so, I think, you know, everybody has, you know, complaints and, and, you know, things that they can not, not necessarily complaints, but things that they can optimize. And I think having uh, the the cool thing about somebody like you in your role is that you're not directly working, let's say full time uh, for the company. So I feel like the team can actually maybe be more honest with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they could tell you, you know what, we have this person here helping us out for X amount of time. Let me just tell her everything I hate because maybe she'll fix it. She'll tell, you know, my boss or whoever the manager is that like this is not working and stuff like that. So it's almost like taking an opportunity of getting the pulse of of the, the, the company without people feeling so threatened. I feel like sometimes when I ask my team questions, they're like, no, no, everything's fine. I'm like, no, 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 seriously, I really want to know. They're like, no, no. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, you're great. Like the podcast is great. I'm I'm like, no, like trash it. Tell me what you hate about it. No, no, it's great. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, cause they, you know, sometimes there's certain people that feel awkward, you know, maybe criticizing or, or I see it as constructive feedback. When people tell me things about my performance or when I do a project, I like it. Cause I'm like, well, I mean, I wouldn't know otherwise. Cause this is what I know. And if nobody tells me, Hey Maria, you know, you should be doing this or you should change this. Um, you know, that's how I grow. So I never really take that as a, as, as bad, but I can see how some people in a team might be threatened or feel, you know, that they, 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 they can't speak up. So I, I love that you, you're, you're a little bit of a psychologist on the side. So ops manager slash psychology for, for Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's all marketing is in the first place is psychology. And on, to be totally honest with you, like I've been on the both sides of it too. Like for me, like that's why I like this, this ops advising, like, cause it's short term yep. when I'm on a team full time. I feel like I can't say things sometimes. And that's a silly, silly mindset, but it's like almost like you have to be a yes person in order to like continue with the team. But really we all need constructive criticism to get better. Like that's what we need. So it's kind of, it's like a mental block that a lot of us have. We all suffer with it, myself included. That's why I like doing these short-term stints, you know? Yeah. And kind of feeling like you're just helping people out. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times it does turn into long-term stuff, but I think it's, it's because I can be so honest in that first like six months. 
Well, no, I mean, and the, it could, it could lead into a long-term gig and for sure, like for myself too, I have some clients I'm, I'm also, I find myself a project manager cause I go in, I fix things. I help people with things and I kind of just stay in the background after and just ask, you know, questions here and there. Uh, but it does, it does happen that, you know, I work with different teams and it goes kind of so well that I become an advisor for the longest advisory role I think I've had is like nine years now. <laughs> I was like, let's just hire Maria for this project. It's just like nine years later, I'm like in team meetings now and stuff. So it's, it's good, you know, cause, yeah. but I'm also, I, I get your point. I'm also outside. So when people have to complain about something, they're like, you know, this is not being done properly. They feel comfortable telling me because I'm like, I'm not, you know, the everyday person there. So it's actually, although it could be a long-term gig, it's also, you're still not their, you know, direct boss or their direct, uh, report. So it, it you know, I, I see value yeah. in you being somewhere long-term as well, not just a short-term gig. Um, when you, when you, um, talking about goals and, and talking about like managing people, you know, for, for somebody like me, for example, I have a couple of people on staff that are here with me full-time, but I have a, a ton of external resources, just people, because for example, we need some writing stuff. We need, you know, producing, we need different types of content. And it's not necessarily like one person that can do all of this. So I have, you know, um, I have a video editor and I have somebody who produces blogs for one site and somebody who produces blogs for another site and so forth. How do you find managing internal and external resources? Like what are some tools or um, like, like what, what are some key things that you have to keep in mind to measure results and to, to get people to be productive? Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of that, honestly, um, like project management tools, of course, like I, I personally use Monday, I've used Trello and Basecamp too, but I, I, I like Monday the most, but so project management tools, um, setting out timelines and specific tasks for people. So like getting, um, getting kind of a project map, quarterly project mapped and an annual project map so that you guys are always hitting the timelines and your, your specific goals. Um, you know, whether it's ex external or not, like they still are part of your team and they're still, cause technically, I mean, most teams are made up of people who are not, um, full-time. Usually it's external yeah. outsourcing and it's, you know, just keeping everybody on track. A lot of that is really just having a project management system, having um, specific timelines and goals of, of what you're hitting and when, and um, kind of making sure, even though they are technically not all a full-time team, if you can get like a touch base, like once or twice a month, even um, I'd like twice a month, but you know, if you can get a touch base with everyone, I think that really helps too. And, and also just having like a done list. So you can you can also show people like what's been done and stuff like that. So they feel good about, you know, the fact that they're moving forward in the project and the work that they're doing. So you were mentioning earlier, uh, that you coach, you like to have like a touch point, uh, once or twice a month. Is that mainly just to see how things are going. Like when we're talking about coaching and motivating people, like what's the frequency of that? Like, how do you make sure, you know, all the stuff that you said earlier, uh, where, you know, you have to keep people motivated and you have to keep people happy and so forth. Give me a little, I guess, like a, a, a one or two minute kind of answer as to like, how often do you coach? How, how do you keep people engaged? Um, and those touch points, you know, let, let's say that once or twice a month, what is usually the goal of those? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say probably the touch points really should be closer to twice a month. I was just thinking for 
because I know for you specifically, you have like several people from like, I'm not going to say where, but like certain accounts and it's yeah. kind of harder to pull them into a call frequently. Um, cause it is a little bit more of an experience. So I guess when it comes to that, it's really just making it feel like a team vibe, um, having everybody kind of just discuss what they're working on, um, where their pain points are and, and just some wins really just kind of get your, get everybody's wins together, understand, um, where, where they are and what they're working on. And then, uh, yeah, I guess just making sure that everybody's built like moving through and their mindset's good. They're, you know, happy about the project. They're excited about it. And also give people the opportunity to, um, come up with ideas. Cause everybody really likes to brainstorm and give you ideas. So if you give them that opportunity, at least a couple times a month, um, you can do more, you know, so a lot of people do once a week team calls too. But um, if you give them that opportunity, I think that it it just makes people feel a little bit more heard, a little bit more invested in the company and a little bit more interested in kind of driving it forward. Oh, cool. I mean, I like to have a touch point also twice a month with like the key people that are working on, you know, a lot of stuff. I find once a month does seem a little bit you can get a little lost in the the monthly call. Um, I personally like the weekly meeting uh, with the team, like the core team members. Uh, we usually do like a, a weekly meeting every Monday afternoon for two hours. Oh, it's wow. a beast of a meeting, uh, but I do feel it gets everybody kind of like in line. Okay, like this is what we're doing. Like these are the focuses and and you know our, our main priorities. Uh, but yeah, with the external resources, I've never tried that. Maybe I would do that. Like have a couple of the key external resources, like the, the contractors that we work on be involved in, let's say half of the team meeting, just so to get them a little bit more buy-in and, and, you know, feel more part of the company just so they could produce better. They don't, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, the number one thing, at least for, for writers and, and for, you know, like people on Upwork and stuff that you hire, a lot of times they see it as a gig, but if you get them involved a little bit more, they'll produce better and we all know that finding the right people on Upwork is tough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've gone through writers and writers and writers and writers and writers. And, you know, finally, when we do, I now, I realized a little while ago, but I realized it now more that when I find somebody who can write well for us for, with the intent of what I'm looking for, the market that I'm looking for and so forth, it's so valuable. And, and losing them is really costly in terms of time, not because you can't find another writer, but it's now finding somebody else that you can train and explain your voice and doing this and doing that. So, um, I mean, I definitely think that having them, then the meetings is important, but in terms of coaching, like actual, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, like I, this is maybe again, like a, a, an older concept, but I, when I used to work at call centers, we had a, a quarterly coaching session where we would review performance and, and kind of like, it was really like metrics oriented, like, oh, your calls are on average three minutes. They should be two and a half, like all this kind of stuff. Do you think like methodologies like that are still kind of applicable? Like, you know, like I, I, I guess I like to call it the Amazon style, like on Am in Amazon, there's like this big report about the Amazon factory that I read in the, in the newspaper that said, you know, Amazon employees have to pick up a package every like 12 seconds. They have to um, pack like 16 boxes an hour. I don't, I don't know what the metrics were exactly. Do you find that kind of stuff is helpful when you're managing ops for different people where let's say they have X amount of writing to do or, or 
calls or customer service or anything like that. Do you think that showing people like numbers and where they stand in those numbers is still a good idea? Or is that too kind of like antiquated or, or, or archaic as a process, I guess? I personally, I mean, you tell me what you think too, but personally, I feel like it kind of makes people feel bad, honestly. Like I, I, I kind of want the team to be happy and excited about what they're doing because then they perform better and they want to do more. So like, I guess, um, you know, telling people like you have to hit this many and, and so often, like if there's a problem, if I see a problem and they're, you know, they're not hitting it, then that's, that's one thing. If they're not, you know, producing all the blogs that we're committed to within, you know, our agreement, or they aren't actually answering the customer service emails in time, that's one thing that needs to be addressed. Definitely. Okay. But when it's, but when you're saying, you know, um, you have to answer a hundred customer service emails, um, an hour. I don't know what it is, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, sometimes it kind of feels a little bit like that micromanaging and a little bit um, like you're directing them in a way where they, they kind of feel, I mean, to me personally, it would make me feel like I am a child and yeah. that I have to, you know, hit all these goals or I'm not doing a good enough job. And then it makes me anxious because I'm not hitting my goals. And then I'm worried about that and overwhelmed instead of just focusing on what I should be doing. And if you can produce the good results, and that were agreed upon in the beginning, then, then I don't see a need for it personally, but what what are your thoughts? I mean, how did it make you feel? I mean, for me, for, for, for my company specifically for direct payment, we don't have, I mean, we get support requests, but it's not like they come in like in droves, like, or, or anything like that. So we get support requests, we get different things. I've had a pretty laid back management style. And I feel like people in my team, you know, I guess I hope they, if they're listening, they like working for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I personally don't like it, but my personality is I'm, you know, I, I'm, I push to get things done. I'm very motivated. I've been like this since I, like, I hit the ground running when I was like eight, I was like ready to start lemonade stands and businesses and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm an internally motivated person. I don't really need somebody to be telling me you need to be doing this. I I'm doing it. And the people that I hire personally, I feel like, yes, that they're, you know, they, they know what they need to do. And they're, I guess they're also a professional level, but I'm talking about more, you know, let's say contractors or, or people that are maybe not as motivated. Like, how do you, ensure you get a certain amount of quality if you don't have specific metrics. Like I wonder sometimes when I, when I read about these stories, like about the Amazons and, you know, like the call centers, the big call centers, they still use these types of ways of coaching people by showing them where they are, where they are and what's the average and so forth. So I was like, is there any validity to that? Like, should, should that be happening even in smaller companies as we're managing ops, telling people, well, you need to produce this much. And there there's, I guess the, the long-winded or the short answer to your question is I feel like people are somewhat motivated by competition. So is there is there any validity to kind of doing that a little bit or do you think that that's just not uh, not a way, at least in this space, to, to manage employees? Um, you know, I guess maybe like a competition of sorts, but like more of a friendly a little bit friendlier, more positive than like, you have to hit this. Cause so like back in the day I went to this, um, I was at a, a mastermind and Vishen Lakiani was speaking about how he created Mindshare or Mind Valley and the, um, the culture that he brings about it and how, you know, he gets a lot of people are more motivated to work with him and for him because, and, and produce good work because they are in a good environment. So when you have a good work environment yeah. like that, 
you know, like you hear Amazon, Amazon work environment is, I've heard very, 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 I've heard very bad things as well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to foster that environment, but I just wonder, you know, why there's so many companies still kind of using this, this like kind of, to me sounds ridiculous. Like if I have to go pee, I just want to go pee. I don't want to like raise my hand and like what (laughs) exactly it's kind of back to that micromanagement thing honestly it's like if you give people the responsibility and the pride in their work they're going to do a good job for you and they're going to be motivated to do a good job for you so it's it's finding the right people who are motivated to work like you don't want to hire somebody if you're going to hire somebody who just wants a day-to-day you know kind of thing I, I guess you could you could, but really, I think most people like you, you do better hiring people that are motivated and just building a better work culture. I think that's the most important thing because it gets people to work for you no matter what, like you can get somebody working with you at a lower rate if they feel like the work environment's fun. But yeah. if you, if you start micromanaging, I mean, we wouldn't stay in it either. So I like, why would I want somebody who's working with me or to feel that way, I guess. That's my, per- that's my opinion on it, at least. No, I, I agree. I think if you, um, personally, when I hire people and when people work for me, I always start in a place of trust. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. I trust everybody and it's their job to make sure that that trust is not broken. Once the trust is broken, it's always difficult to kind of then, you know, back that person up or whatever the case is. So that's, that's just my way. I just feel like at least for, for some of the people that I know that have large companies, you know, when you start getting to, you know, uh, I don't know, over 25, 30 people, uh, I feel like it starts getting a little bit more difficult, uh, to manage. It's just the feedback that I get from, from large companies or or people who are managing larger teams is that at at a certain point you get to a point where not everybody is motivated. Not everybody has that drive that like the the five or 10 or 20 people that you had that smaller team. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just wondering kind of how would you then keep them motivated or keep them, uh, keep everybody in line without very specific, you know, you need to hit this and that and that and that, you know, but again, I'm not an ops manager. I don't know, but I'm wondering, do you find that there is a challenge when you get to a certain level and and there's a lot more employees that maybe you do need to kind of fall back on these types of tactics? Yeah. You know, I guess, I guess that is very much something like when you do have like for say a call center or something where you've got, you know, hundred plus employees and, and you really need to make sure everybody's pulling their weight and you don't have, that more intimate connection with them where you're talking to them regularly because you're not doing a big team call with everybody yeah. like 100 employees so <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know I guess when you when you are at that level yeah you probably should have some kind of metrics that they do need to be hitting a rough estimate on um personally I haven't really you know managed a, like a big call center well, type okay. team before so I I don't 100% know what the answer is on that okay but I imagine, you know, I guess if Amazon and those people are doing it, there's pro- there's a reason. There's always a reason. Yeah, I, I always try to try to look at the different business models and see how it could be applicable to my business. I'm happy that I don't have to do stuff like that. But I wonder, as we continue growing, is there going to be a point? Because that would be my worst nightmare to have these types of metrics and like kind of like follow up on people. Like, I just hate that. Like, I don't even want to do when people tell me like, oh, I got to take a vacation day or I have this or I'm like, that's good. Like go for it, you know, kind of thing. I don't yeah. ever want to get to a point where I have to question people for, for certain things or whatever, but that's, that's, you know, nor here or there, at least for me, it's not my goal to, to have like a, a huge Amazon style company, but I'm wondering, I was 
the point of the question was more, you know, does it come to a certain point where you need this, you know, like when, even if you're in direct response, like, does it come to a point where you get to like 20 employees or 30 employees or, or whatever many resources where you need to start being a little bit stricter on quality metrics or, or numbers and, and making people, but it sounds like you're saying yeah. no, at least for, you know, the, 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 the smaller companies. And then as they grow, I feel like a call center for sure, taking that out of the mix, but more um, direct response businesses and people who are selling supplements and online businesses and everybody's working on remote teams. So I'm like, I, I wonder as I grow how it's going to be managed, you know, like how are you going to keep tabs of everybody doing everything that they need? Well, I think that's, that's a lot of honestly what Vision was talking about in his speech is just kind of, um, the, the ways to empower people so that you don't have to feel like you're checking in on them and checking in on every little thing. I mean, look at Mind Valley. That's a huge company. They have hundreds yeah. of employees. And literally, like, they, if you want to go take a vacation and a few of you want to go off, and um, this is an example he gave, but a few people want to go off and go to the beach for a few days and whatever, and then come back, you get that opportunity. Like, you have the opportunity to do what you want. It's as long as you get your work done. So, it's, you know, setting clear expectations on what their work is and, you know, just making sure that that work is done in a timely manner, like within those timelines that you have originally set. So, you know, it might not be, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to really, I guess, grasp what circumstance that wouldn't work in because like he wrote a book, it's called the Badass Buddha or Buddha. Yeah. Badass Buddha. And it's okay. all about how to set up this like kind of team atmosphere and environment where people want to, and are motivated to do better. So to me, I think that setting up an environment like that is, is more important than trying to set metrics that people absolutely have to hit because I think that they will hit them if they're given the right opportunities. I completely agree. I, I mean, that's, that's at least what I think. I think that people uh, inherently want to do a good job, whether, whether, you know, they're, they're working at a, a lower end job or a higher end job or, or whatever the case is. If you, if you give people opportunity, I think that, you know, that everybody wants to do a good job. When I was in the call center, I wanted to be a good call center rep. Cause that's what I was doing at that time. Michelle, that's thank right. you so much for your time. I, I do want to ask you one final question and just, you know, do you have any final thoughts or, or, or can you tell us how people can get in touch with you? Is it email that's best or a website, social media? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, email is probably best to get in touch with me. And yeah, I mean, I just, I guess, um, work on your, your organization, you're prioritizing, you know, give yourself that mental space. And just like you said, figure out what works for you because everybody's schedule and working, you know, styles is very different. So I think that that's really just listen to your intuition and don't always just follow what everybody else says is the best thing to do, figure out what's best for you and how you're most productive. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to help people figure that out or work through things like that with them. Um, and yeah, if you ever want to, ever want help with organization or, you know, team delegation, SOPs, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm here. My email is Michelle with one L at bellacreatives.com. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll have everything in the show notes for everybody to see. So if you want to reach out to Michelle, feel free to send her an email um, at the email address below. And I thank you so much, Michelle. This was really valuable. And I think it's very important for everybody, um, no matter where they are in their business, to take a couple of minutes and think about their ops and how they can be more productive. So I thank you so much and have yourself a great day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on. I really appreciate it. You have a great day. Thanks, Michelle. Loved it. Hope you found today's session valuable. 
If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 